Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, World Soccer Radio, here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM, as well as iHeartRadio, tune in the award-winning Sirius XM app, and a big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Radio Network. I'm Nick Eber. We're presented by BetOnline.ag. What a great day for football. I love these midweek matches. December, great month. Compressed schedule, lots of matches. Players hate it. Managers hate it. But don't we as fans just absolutely love it? Isn't it what we just live for? Well, we're going to take a look at Wednesday's matches today. There are a whole slate of matches on Wednesday, including uh, the match of the month. There's really no other way to put it, really, um, in the fact that we have one and two playing each other, which is the sort of thing that we live for. At Anfield, Liverpool will be hosting Spurs. We also have Arsenal hosting Southampton. When we come back from the break, I will be talking to you about the dumpster fire that is Arsenal. We started talking about this a little bit yesterday, but I got really just ran out of time. Uh, Leeds, Newcastle, Fulham, Brighton, and West Ham at the London Stadium will be hosting Crystal Palace. No fans in London, as London, once again, has been deemed uh, too hot a zone because of COVID, so the fans will not be in attendance, and that's a bad thing. I have enjoyed having fans back in the matches even though there's just been a couple of thousand of them, they have made a lot of noise. I really appreciate also the way the networks have mic'd them up and expanded the sound, not fa- not not from a fake perspective, but uh, made the natural fan sound finally uh, take precedent. We don't have to listen to this canned nonsense we've been listening to. Okay, find me on Twitter. I'm at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. The podcast of this show is available right after it's over at our podcast network, which is the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. You should check them out. I'm going to tell you later on in the show about a couple of other really great uh, football podcasts that they have on their BSI The Podcast and uh, The Shep Messing Show. You definitely want to check those out. I'll tell you a little bit about those as we go on. But in the meantime, I'll get ready. Let's get things kicked off. When we come back, let's talk about the absolute mess at the Emirates with Arsenal Football Club. I'm going to tell you why I'm not surprised and why you shouldn't be either when we come back on World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back. World Soccer Radio presented by betonline.ag and the Premier League in full swing. I love it. Really, these uh, midweek matches, they just give you so much extra spice for your week. And I know right now in London, everybody's crying because the COVID numbers are up. So once again, the Premier League barring fans from attending. But, you know, we're used to that here. It's been... 
the situation here in the United States where we've had events with few or no fans. And while the NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game, you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. They've got everything you want if you're going to bet NFL, soccer, you name it, golf. they got everything. They got game spreads and totals. They got props with teams, players, coaching props. They got everything. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, they've also got the online casino as well, which never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today and make them your online sports book experts. Just make sure when you do bet on sports you do it responsibly have fun with it and try not to make it a lifestyle all right welcome back to the show i'm with you each and every weeknight 6 p.m pacific 9 eastern time then again on sports overnight america at midnight at 3 a.m on the east coast for the early birds out there we're on iHeartRadio, itunes award-winning sirius xm app sports byline broadcast network sirius xm blah 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 you get it everywhere you want to be that's where we are. Okay, look, um, the big discussion, I think, is when we look at the Premier League. I, I, and again, I talk about this all the time on the show. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that I talk about cycles in football. And there are teams that sort of trans- transcend the managerial cycle. And, and I think, to a degree, you have teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid that are so established, so ingrained in the culture in their country that those teams almost stand apart in terms of being able to weather the storm of losing a legendary, as we like to say here in the United States, franchise manager. And you can see it with Madrid and you can see it with Barcelona. Look, I I think honestly, if Zidane leaves Madrid, They'll get another great manager, they'll pop him in, and they'll still have the same success. They'll probably still win the same number of games. The issue with Madrid and Barcelona has to do more of cycling through players. It's very difficult to recover from losing a player like Cristiano Ronaldo as Messi gets older and you've built a team around him. Now, one of the great things about Messi, of course, is that his game has changed as he's become older. It's, he's been as productive for the team, maybe personally not quite as productive, but you know, with a Messi in your squad, things are looking pretty good. And certainly they're struggling in La Liga, no doubt about that. But uh, same thing, Barcelona could replace a manager, what have you. That's not the problem. They're going to have to recycle and rebuild players. When you look at some of the teams in England, and I'm going to go back and use some examples here. You know, Liverpool is a great example. You know, you had... You had uh, the Fagan and the Shankly eras, and then you had Roy Evans and Julier. But when you lose a guy like Bill Shankly or Fagan, it's very difficult for the club to rebuild after losing those managers. And it puts you into a down cycle. And sometimes it takes ages to recover from that cycle. All you have to do for a, a more recent example is to look at Manchester United, the team that dominated the Premier League, dominated football in England, dominated football largely in Europe as well, although to a slightly lesser degree. But when Sir Alex Ferguson left, they went into a tailspin. 
One of the reasons I think Alex Ferguson left, and I am waxing kind of long about this, we might have to take this into the next segment, but one of the reasons that Alex Ferguson left had to do with his age and wanting to spend time with his wife, certainly. But I think he looked at this squad and saw the end of an era coming to him and recognized and said to himself, do I have the energy, is it fair to the club for me to handhold this team through its next cycle. Now, if it had done that, I promise you Man United would have been wildly more successful than they are today. And it's possible he could have handed off a better squad, uh, better talent in the hopper, so to speak. Who knows? We'll never know, right? But instead, United, he left. They brought in David Moyes. David Moyes was the hand-picked successor. They didn't give Moyes much of a shot after it was clear that he wasn't Alex Ferguson and it was clear that the team wasn't going to relive its or, or repeat its constant success. They canned him and went into the managerial merry-go-round. Rather than focusing in on the core issues, which is having a system and a culture and a methodology and trying to fill those players, backfill those players that you need for the future. They didn't do that. They were worried more about the manager. At Arsenal Football Club, very much the same situation. Not only did they lose their legendary manager in Arsene Wenger, a man whose imprint on that club was so total that his responsibility and instructions went as far as to how the team logo was displayed on the china in the dining hall. A total micromanager, and, and that is his strength. Arsene Wenger, the dapper Frenchman, very much a, a, a hands-on manager. Very difficult man to replace. And yes, you can look back at Arsenal over the Wenger year and, era and you can say, did they have as much success as maybe you wanted them to? Sure, they won titles. Absolutely. But, you know, they were up against that juggernaut for that whole era of Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. But every year, year in and year out, Arsenal were one of the big four and they would finish in the top four, what I call the Wenger Trophy. So not only does Arsene Wenger leave, but at the same time, they got out of Highbury, their ancestral home, so to speak, the place where the spirit and ghosts of their football lived and germinated. And they moved to the Emirates, which is a brand spanking new stadium with very little soul to it yet. Now, maybe 50 years, 60 years from now, it'll have soul. But my gut feeling is it'll have probably been torn down and rebuilt five times. So they had the double whammy. And by cycling through managers, they haven't given themselves a chance to rebuild the squad with a system, with that Arsenal fingerprint on it. And, and again, I didn't think that was any more evident than this week with Granite Jacker and his absolutely appalling, appalling uh, behavior, getting sent off, getting a red card, um, and Arsenal, of course, losing and finding themselves way down at the bottom of the table, pretty much, 15th spot. What could you do about that? Well, you know, not a lot. It takes time to build. You have to have faith in your manager. 
And again, Wenger was there between 1996 and 2018. Think about that. That's 22 years he was at the helm of that club. How do you replace a manager after 22 years? Replace a manager and replace a manager and a system and a stadium, and especially when you have an owner that is as notoriously cheap as Stan Kroenke. It's next to impossible, let's be honest. And so what you're seeing is that natural cycle now at Arsenal where it is going to take them a long time to come back from this. I'm going to get into this in more detail when we come back after the break on World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back. World Soccer Radio presented by betonline.ag and the Premier League in full swing. I love it. Really, these uh, midweek matches, they just give you so much extra spice for your week. And I know right now in London, everybody's crying because the COVID numbers are up. So once again, the Premier League barring fans from attending. But, you know, we're used to that here. It's been... The situation here in the United States where we've had events with few or no fans. And while the NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game, you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. They've got everything you want if you're going to bet NFL, soccer, you name it, golf. They've got everything. They've got game spreads and totals. They've got props with teams, players, coaching props. They've got everything. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, they've also got the online casino as well, which never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today and make them your online sportsbook experts. Just make sure when you do bet on sports, you do it responsibly. Have fun with it and try not to make it a lifestyle. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time. Then again on Sports Overnight America at midnight at 3 a.m. on the East Coast for the early birds out there. We're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, award-winning Sirius XM app, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM, blah, blah, blah. You get it. Everywhere you want to be, that's where we are. Okay, look. Um, the big discussion, I think, is when we look at the Premier League. I, and again, I talk about this all the time on the show. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that I talk about cycles in football. And there are teams that sort of trans transcend the managerial cycle. And I think, to a degree, you have teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid that are so established so ingrained in the culture in their country that those teams almost stand apart in terms of being able to weather the storm of losing a legendary, as we like to say here in the United States, franchise manager. And you can see it with Madrid, and you can see it 
with Barcelona. Look, I, I think, honestly, if Zidane leaves Madrid, they'll get another great manager, they'll pop him in, and they'll still have the same success. They'll probably still win the same number of games. The issue with Madrid and Barcelona has to do more of cycling through players. It's very difficult to recover from losing a player like Cristiano Ronaldo, as Messi gets older and you've built a team around him. Now, one of the great things about Messi, of course, is that his game has changed as he's become older. It's He's been as productive for the team, maybe personally not quite as productive, but you know, with a Messi in your squad, things are looking pretty good. And certainly they're struggling in La Liga, no doubt about that. But same thing. Barcelona could replace a manager, what have you. That's not the problem. They're going to have to recycle and rebuild players. When you look at some of the teams in England, and I'm going to go back and use some examples here. You know, Liverpool is a great example. You know, you had you had uh, the Fagan and the Shankly eras, and then you had Roy Evans and Julie. But when you lose a guy like Bill Shankly or Fagan, it's very difficult for the club to rebuild after losing those managers. And you it puts you into a down cycle. And sometimes it takes ages to recover from that cycle. All you have to do for a, a more recent example is to look at Manchester United. The team that dominated the Premier League, dominated football in England, dominated football largely in Europe as well, although to a slightly lesser degree. But when Sir Alex Ferguson left, they went into a tailspin. One of the reasons I think Alex Ferguson left, and I am waxing kind of long about this, we might have to take this into the next segment, but one of the reasons that Alex Ferguson left had to do with his age and wanting to spend time with his wife, certainly. But I think he looked at this squad and saw the end of an era coming to him and recognized and said to himself, do I have the energy, is it fair to the club for me to handhold this team through its next cycle. Now, if it had done that, I promise you Man United would have been wildly more successful than they are today. And it's possible he could have handed off a better squad, uh, better talent in the hopper, so to speak. Who knows? We'll never know, right? But instead, United, he left. They brought in David Moyes. David Moyes was the hand-picked successor. They didn't give Moyes much of a shot after it was clear that he wasn't Alex Ferguson and it was clear that the team wasn't going to relive its or, or repeat its constant success. They canned him and went into the managerial merry-go-round. Rather than focusing in on the core issues, which is having a system and a culture and a methodology and trying to fill those players, backfill those players that you need for the future. They didn't do that. They were worried more about the manager. At Arsenal Football Club, very much the same situation. Not only did they lose their legendary manager in Arsene Wenger, a man whose imprint on that club was so total that his responsibility and instructions went as far as to how the team logo was displayed on the china in the dining hall. A total micromanager, and and that is his strength. Arsene Wenger, the dapper Frenchman, very much a a, a hands-on manager. Very difficult man to replace. And yes, you can look back at Arsenal over the Wenger era and you can say, did they have as much success as maybe you wanted them to? Sure, they won titles. Absolutely. 
But, you know, they were up against that juggernaut for that whole era of Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. But every year, year in and year out, Arsenal were one of the big four and they would finish in the top four, what I call the Wenger Trophy. So not only does Arsene Wenger leave, but at the same time, they got out of Highbury, their ancestral home, so to speak, the place where the spirit and ghosts of their football lived and germinated. And they moved to the Emirates, which is a brand spanking new stadium with very little soul to it yet. Now, maybe 50 years, 60 years from now, it'll have soul, but my gut feeling is it'll have probably been torn down and rebuilt five times. So they had the double whammy. And by cycling through managers, they haven't given themselves a chance to rebuild the squad with a system, with that Arsenal fingerprint on it. And, and again, I didn't think that was any more evident than this week with Granite Jacker and his absolutely appalling, appalling uh, behavior getting sent off, getting a red card, um, and Arsenal, of course, losing and finding themselves way down at the bottom of the table, pretty much 15th spot. What could you do about that? Well, you know, not a lot. It takes time to build. You have to have faith in your manager. And again, Wenger was there between 1996 and 2018. Think about that. That's 22 years he was at the helm of that club. How do you replace a manager after 22 years? Replace a manager and replace a manager and a system and a stadium, and especially when you have an owner that is as notoriously cheap as Stan Kroenke. It's next to impossible, let's be honest. And so what you're seeing is that natural cycle now at Arsenal where it is going to take them a long time to come back from this. I'm going to get into this in more detail when we come back after the break on World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back to the show, World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Gieber. Find me on Twitter at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. All right, let's uh, continue on with the Premier League. I think we've discussed Arsenal ad nauseum this show. So uh, let's move along. Uh, you know, we haven't really had a chance to talk about Chelsea that much because it's been a rough couple of games for Chelsea, dropping points to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers at Molyneux today. Who'd have thought that, right? And then, of course, the loss against Everton. Chelsea had a unique opportunity to bounce to the top of the table, depending on how many goals they scored, because the goal differential would have been it. Uh, now, clearly, uh, Tottenham and Liverpool would have had a game in hand, and Leicester City, but it was a real opportunity, and it was squandered, and uh, Frank Lampard saying the team looks tired. I'm sorry. You know what? That doesn't work for me. One of the things about Chelsea is their youth and vigor, and the fact this is a young team that has all sorts of belief. You can't, by on the same token, say, it's a young team, you'll excuse us, our inconsistencies, and it's a young team, we were tired, but older teams that we played were not tired. I don't buy that. That's nonsense. That's rubbish. That Chelsea are a young team, 
They need time, consistency, the key to winning titles. They're not quite there yet. It's two games in a row they've lost. We'll see how they bounce back. Their next game is on next Monday, and that is against um, West Ham United at Stamford Bridge. And that will be a great game as well, because West Ham are flying a bit, a bit high, and they are playing Crystal Palace tomorrow at home, coming off the back of that big win 2-1 uh, last Friday against Leeds at Ellen Road. So that was a Chelsea. And now Man City, on the other hand, to lose points to West Bromwich Albion uh, is uh, a shocker, right? I mean, really, if you think about it, West Brom now with seven points. They are within touching distance of a bounce out of the bottom three. They play Aston Villa next, and uh, they are playing Villa at home, which is bad news for them. And that's on Sunday because uh, Villa are a hell of an away side. Uh, bad news for West Brom, but a well-earned point. Man City, they look—they do look tired and old and a little ready for a refresh. And don't ever count them out. But I would say right now, uh, City are still within striking distance of a top four here by the end of the year. So I fully expect if they can keep it up, they will be there. Their next match is a very tough one against Southampton. Uh, that's going to be for that top four spot, pretty much. So that is a big match, and that will happen on Saturday. Meanwhile, we have a whole bunch of matches happening tomorrow. So I tell you what, let's uh, not waste a whole bunch of time because we have about 11 minutes left in this segment, and I've got uh, six matches to get to. Uh, let's start with Leeds, at, uh, Leeds hosting Newcastle United at Ellen Road. Newcastle uh, have been devastated recently by COVID. They've also been devastated recently by uh, some somewhat uninspired play. They beat West Brom 2-1 at home. They beat Crystal Palace 2-1 away at Selhurst Park. They did lose to Chelsea. They did lose to Southampton, although both those teams far above them in the table. Um, you know, Newcastle are not a team that stirs the passion, so to speak. But they have won two, two in a row. Uh, Leeds United are a team that will stir the passion because they come out and they attack and they really come at you. But they have lost against West Ham. They did lose against Chelsea. And they've lost against Crystal Palace just in the last five games. As interesting as this game is, Leeds United are the favorites at minus 134, Newcastle plus 324. You know what? I actually like the draw on this one at plus 243. Uh, so that's what I'm going to take. All right, next match, Arsenal-Southampton at the Emirates. I'm sorry, Arsenal are just an appalling team, an absolutely appalling team. I, it's so hard for me to back them to win this team. They've had one win since the 17th of October. If you go back to the end of September, they've had two wins, one draw, and the rest of them have been losses. And that uh, loss, by the way, Back on the 28th September was the third game they lost 3-1 away at Anfield. Uh, Leicester City, on the other hand, flying high, really, uh, pardon me, Southampton flying high, really like this team. Southampton have lost one match since September 26th. So I have to go with Southampton on this. The, they are plus 200. This is away, but I like Southampton plus 200. I'll take them. Uh, let's go to the King Power with a very interesting matchup here between Leicester City and Everton. Everton surprised with a really good 1-0 result against Chelsea 
over the weekend. And they showed that they're more than just a a one-trick pony. And by that I mean that they're not relying on James Rodriguez, who's been injured, that they can get a point, they can get three points when they need to. And so, of course, with Ancelotti as the manager, they have a system, they have belief, and they can grind out results when they need to. And that's what they did against Chelsea. However, and this is a big however, they're up this time at home against Leicester City. Brennan Rodgers has got this team really sitting nicely. Jamie Vardy is scoring goals willy-nilly at will. I think this is just going to be a bridge too far for Everton. So I'm going to back the home team, Leicester City, at plus 117. Fulham and Brighton. Um... You know, I suppose if there was a match that wasn't going to excite the senses, this might be it. I don't think that Fulham are necessarily quite as bad as their table position would suggest. Uh, But neither of these teams are exactly prolific goal scorers. 14 goals between them in 12 matches. (laughs) They have both been conceding goals aplenty, though. They've conceded 43 goals between the two of them in 12 matches. So not a whole lot of scoring, an awful lot of goal conceding, not really a very exciting match for me on this one. Um, I think Fulham are going to be had here because they're coming off that big result, that draw against Liverpool at Craven Cottage, where the small pitch works to their advantage. Uh, Fulham plus 176, Brighton plus 148. I'm going to go for a draw at plus 205 on this game. Next up, Liverpool-Tottenham, the big game, the big kahuna. And I'm pleased I'm timing this so I've got enough time to get to it. Liverpool were awful in the first half at Craven Cottage. I've told you why. Fulham came at them. It's a very small, narrow pitch. Liverpool play a high line. Fulham managed to get behind it. Uh, That is not... I'm not saying that Fulham had luck on their side or any of the above. They played it tactically. Just Scott Parker had them just absolutely perfect. And they executed perfectly. And Liverpool were not perfect and executed poorly. And Fulham deserved that first half 100%. But this isn't Anfield. This isn't a Craven Cottage. This is a big pitch that speaks to Liverpool's strengths. This is the place where Liverpool just haven't lost. And of course, now that I say it, they will, but you know how that works, right? Uh, Up against uh, Jurgen Klopp, up against uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, Liverpool are going to take it to Spurs because that's how they do it. Spurs with Harry Kane, Hon Min Song will be able to get behind Liverpool a couple of times. I, for me personally, I know people are saying this is going to be a draw. I'm actually going to say this is going to be a Liverpool win. I'm going to take Liverpool at minus 131 for this because Liverpool really have a go at teams, particularly at Anfield. I know Spurs can hit him on the break, and there will be goals, but I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool for this match, the big match of the weekend. Uh, moving along to the final match of no, the weekend. Listen to me. I feel like it's the weekend. Tomorrow's Wednesday. West Ham, Crystal Palace. Well, West Ham are playing a really well 
right now. I like this team. I like the belief they have. The fact they're seventh in the table. The fact they've lost one game in the last five. And honestly, if you want to go back to the last nine, ten games, they've lost two games in ten. The Hammers are a quality team. And they're in seventh in the table, tied on points with City, with Everton, with United, with Wolves. Although United have a game in hand, and uh, West Ham have a game in hand to uh, Wolves and... Um, pardon me, and to Everton, uh, and, and Everton. They're playing a Crystal Palace team that is a game team that's had a couple of super results. That big 5-1 thumping of West Brom, followed by that shocking 1-1 draw against Tottenham. Uh, this team also has belief, but their results are much more inconsistent. It's really hard for me to back Crystal Palace in this match. I am going to go for West Ham United at plus 116. So those are my picks for tomorrow, Wednesday. I know I said the weekend. I lie. What can I say? I'm old. I forget. Uh, let's start. Let's recap them. Uh, Leeds, Newcastle. I say this is going to be a draw. Arsenal, Southampton. I say this is going to be a draw. I pick, pick Leicester to beat Everton at the King Power. At Fulham, Brighton, at Craven Cottage, I say that's going to be a draw. Liverpool, Tottenham, the big match of tomorrow, possibly the biggest match of the month at Anfield. I'm going to go with a Liverpool win. I think you're always going to be behind the eight ball if you do not if you do not pick a Liverpool win at Anfield, particularly coming off the news of Gerard Houllier's death. I wonder if that will have any motor, extra motivating factor. And then West Ham, Crystal Palace, uh, I have to go with West Ham. They're just in such great form at the moment. So those are my picks. Now, tomorrow we'll be covering the Aston Villa-Burnley match. Uh, we'll be covering the Sheffield United-Man United match. Uh, the, <laughs> you know, of all the places... Is this where Sheffield United get their first points tomorrow on Thursday at Bramall Lane against your United side that is reeling from some, shall we say, less than perfect results? We shall find out. I'll give you my analysis tomorrow. Same thing with the Villa Burnley. Villa are at home, though. I'd said that they were away, but they're not. Aston Villa are at home uh, against Burnley, which means... You kind of got to like Burnley for that because Aston Villa, not a great home team. Okay, so that's a little preview of what we're going to get to tomorrow. But once uh, uh, tomorrow for our Thursday previews, and then no matches Friday, and then a full slate of matches on Saturday, including f a couple of fascinating ones Southampton, Man City at St. Mary's. That should be a really interesting match. And Everton, Arsenal at Goodison Park, uh, as are, are the woes of Arsenal Football Club going to continue so a shocking day today uh, Chelsea uh, dropping uh, Chelsea dropping all three points Manchester City dropping uh, two points a big shocker today quite frankly in the Premier League I'm predicting that tomorrow we should have some fascinating results and uh, I know everyone will be watching the Liverpool Tottenham game uh, I will also be uh, because the way this is staggered if you're going to watch the early game you're probably going to watch the Arsenal Southampton or the Leicester Everton game, that's at 1 p.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. 
on the East Coast. And then at noon on the East Coast, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, you want to tune to the Liverpool-Tottenham game. All right, I'm going to go to break. I'll be right back to wrap it up on World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back. World Soccer Radio. Listen, I hope you guys will join me every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, then again midnight on the West Coast, 3 a.m. on the East Coast for all you early birds. That is on Sports Overnight America. I can be heard on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, the award-winning Sirius XM app, and the American Forces Network. If you are in the armed forces and listening to us, obviously always welcome to the show. And then if you miss any part of the show, be sure to check us out on our podcast network. That is the Believe, B-L-E-A-V, podcast network. You can find us there along with some other great podcasts like BSI the Podcast and the Shep Messing Daily Cast. We are presented by betonline.ag. All the odds that I've given you for these games, primarily money lines, are courtesy of our title sponsor, betonline.ag. You can let Bet Online be your online sportsbook experts. Head over there and take advantage of some of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag. So, I've given you my picks for today. I want to hear from you. How did I do? How did you do? What did you think of the games? Send me a tweet at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, or find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. This show works best when I hear from you and I can respond and we have a little dialogue, a little back and forth. If you want to come on the show as a guest, I'm going to bring our listener, um, uh, Robert Orozco, on at some point here. We're going to have some guests here coming up in the next week or two. I'm not going to let you listen to just me day in and day out, although apparently that's what you guys like. I don't know. Maybe you probably should think about seeking some form of therapy. That's going to do it for me. I will be back on the air with you tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and then again at midnight on Sports Overnight America, 3 a.m. in the morning if you are up that late on the East Coast. All right, enjoy the matches tomorrow. Let's uh, let's have a chat afterwards and see how we did. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.